0: I want to talk price activity with our next guest. We have Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stonex Financial, joining us this morning. Arlen, good to have you with us. Last time on, we talked about crude and how it's been, well, contained was the word I was using uh, back then as well. We're uh, still dealing with what you identified in our last discussion as some mixed signals. It looks like price activity reflection of that uh, as we head into the beginning of the week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think picture really dynamically changed last week. Uh, And basically that range that you were defining on the market says that uh, we now have a geopolitical risk factor priced in in crude oil somewhere around that $72, $73 range. The market simply doesn't want to go below that because of the geopolitical risk. On the other hand, it doesn't want to go above that $82, $83 area because of the economic risks that we're facing currently with recessionary fears. This drumbeat that we've heard for the last nine months or so. But last week, things really dynamically changed with the Ukraine picture. Now, keep in mind that this is a commodity rich part of the world. And we get so many commodities from this area of the world, including crude oil, including um, grain and oil seeds that we use to eat, the fertilizer necessary to produce those that are exported to other parts of the world. And so it's really critical. So last week, China changed its strategy of involvement. It's tried to maintain a a position of hands off until now kind of very quietly supporting Russia without getting directly involved. Last week, it directly, intentionally changed that. And I think that increases the geopolitical risk because China has shown that it has a vested interest in making sure Russia does not lose this war. And it is afraid that the longer this war goes, the higher the risks are that Russia could lose it. Meanwhile, President Biden made his surprise visit to uh, Ukraine, emphasizing the fact that the United States has a vested interest in making sure Ukraine does not lose the war. So unless there's a peace agreement, this is gonna go for a while and going to continue to intensify. And so that means that we have a commodity rich part of the world that is going to uh, have increasing risks for having commodity exports out of that region put at risk, or or limited to some extent. On Tuesday of last week, China printed a 4,000-word article in its uh, state media uh, condemning the sins of the United States over the last 200-plus years. On Wednesday, it published a, uh, Xi Jinping's plan for peace in the world. Pretty much naming the United States is the evil and the cause of all the problems in the world. And then its foreign minister leader toured, uh, visited with leaders of Europe, and then went to uh, Ukraine and then to Moscow um, to work together, try to put together some type of Ukraine peace plan, which it released Thursday night. And that peace plan, again, naming the United States, as the cause of the Ukraine war. So, what it, I talked to my Chinese employees, and I said, it really sounds like what China is doing is preparing its people for a, a more direct conflict with the United States. And that's they said hmm. that's exactly how it's being read in China as well. That they're being prepared. So, China is now involved in this Ukraine war, um, first trying to promote peace. Uh, with its peace plan. I think that's a non-starter from Ukraine standpoint. That means we continue to go forward, and then China's going to have to decide, are they going to get more directly involved, providing lethal aid to Russia in this war? All of it means greater risk for commodities going forward.
0: You know, Arlen, I want to talk a little bit about the impact this has on supply chains ultimately, because, uh, you know, we talked about the uh, war on Ukraine and how that's lengthened supply chains. I'd imagine this development's only going to continue and further that trend we've seen.
1: Yeah, and in crude oil market's a great example of that, because with the price caps now, and Russia's saying they're not going to sell to anybody who supported the price caps, that means that the oil continues to flow only on the dark fleet. And is the dark fleet gonna be big enough? But regardless, it means higher costs of transportation, less efficiency in the transportation system of moving commodities. Now it's crude oil uh, starting to be some of the other commodities as well. The essential commodities always find a route. Um, to travel and get out, sometimes not to the same volume that they were before, uh, but at higher costs. And so that's just going to contribute to the slowing down of movement of commodities. It's going to contribute toward countries wanting to hoard commodities more, becoming less comfortable with just-in-time supplies that we become so comfortable with prior to the war, uh, and also increasing the costs, contributing to inflationary pressures, which you were talking about in the last segment.
0: You know, I think it's important here, and I'm glad that you bring to our attention, it's not just crude oil, right? Commodities in general. I mean, I'm looking at beans. One of the products that when you're talking about the supply chains, especially the war on Ukraine and uh, the impact that's had, I mean, beans basically since the beginning of the year have been holding above the 50-day moving average. Now, again, relatively contained and range bound here. I guess one could point to above 12, below 17, $18, but uh, hanging out right in the middle of that range around 15. But a reflection of, again, kind of that staircase pattern that they've been climbing as, uh, well, I guess you could call it the wall of worry, it seems like.
1: Uh, yeah, it really is. And here it's tied to Argentina and a drought, a third year, La Nina, really cutting production in Argentina. And Argentina is the world's largest exporter of soy meal and soy oil, soy meal being a critical component for meat production around the world. And so you reduce the soy meal, you reduce meat production. So it's very critical. And Argentina it looks like we're going to see a crop in the low 30 million metric ton range. That would be down almost 40% from what they originally were looking at with the area that they had planned Planted, Uh, And so can Argentina keep its crushing plants going with imported beans out of Brazil and Paraguay and Uruguay? Or will uh, the world have to come to the United States for more of their supply of soy meal? Uh, So soy meal is really the key to that soybean market. As far as whole soybeans, Brazil has a big crop. Those are whole soybeans, they have to be crushed, and Brazil probably doesn't have the crush capacity to make up for Argentina. They're pretty close to capacity, so that means we need to run those beans through Argentina. That means meal has to have a high enough price value to maintain crush margins, to pay the bill of importing those soybeans down uh, from Brazil and Paraguay and Uruguay into Argentina.
0: Arlen, as you look to metals right now, copper, obviously, uh, more tied to the narrative as far as what we were talking about in terms of China, the reopening trade, or lack thereof, I guess one could argue at this point. Copper hanging out right around the $4 level uh, between the highs that we saw last spring, five, the lows last summer around three. Uh, gold seems to be more tied to the U.S. dollar and rates right now. It's kind of in the middle of the range that we saw throughout that same period. I guess last year, I guess, 2,100, we'll call it, down to 16, hanging out right around Uh, 1850 or just below it right now, 1850.
1: Yeah, I think for a while, Bitcoin was kind of seen as the new inflation fighter, uh, and but with the problem with the cyber, uh, with the cryptocurrencies, rather, um, gold is starting to come back and trade opposite of the dollar a little bit more, as we've seen the last three or four months. Um, but that's certainly the case. When you look at copper, the world's really watching China, as you indicated. China coming out of COVID, we're seeing some p- very positive signs of rebounding economy, but we're also seeing some negative. Signs. Um, the consumer is very happy to get out, to eat in restaurants, to travel within China, very slow to travel outside of China, and very slow to buy those durable goods. We're mm-hmm. talking durable goods today here in the United States. And that's because the durable goods orders are more heavily weighted toward uh, the business people in China, and they've suffered through three years of restrictions. They simply don't have the money. So it's going to take a little bit longer before we see that. Now, as far as copper the other thing is what's the government going to do to really stimulate the economy have construction jobs uh, um, infrastructure and everything that might use copper in order to do that and we haven't got a clear signal yet from the government just what their commitment's going to be towards supporting that end of the economy
0: arlen in terms of getting a feel for china is that what we should be looking for you mentioned it last time on the show as well the purchases of those bigger ticket items ultimately and well the lingering effects of those COVID restrictions
1: yeah, that's really going to be the key. And, and China's facing a little bit of a challenge here as well, because if it overstimulates, so to speak, that causes the yuan to really fall versus the dollar. And it wants to be able to control that because obviously the United States and much of the rest of the world's in a tightening situation. China doesn't wanna to be too far out of balance uh, with its uh, monetary easing and stimulus of the economy there. But they have been trying to take steps to really get things going. As, especially the property sector, which is a huge part of their economy, and uh, try to get things going again. And with recession fears in much of the rest of the world, they are really an export-dominated economy as well, and their orders for exportable products continue to be sluggish.
0: Arlen, appreciate you uh, helping us get the week started here on the TD Ameritrade Network, talking commodities with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist at Stonex Financial.